Hello, everybody. Hello, this is Andy, one of the midwives with Holistic Heritage Homebirth. And I'm Jaylen, the other half of Holistic Heritage Homebirth, and welcome to Midwife Monday. We're pumped. We're actually going to talk about something today that can be turned into a podcast. We've been just going off the whim, which we tend to do, just yeah. kind of fart something out. But today, you actually farted this out. I did. <laughs> Jaylen farts. No, it doesn't stink though. <laughs> Never. Roses and sunshine and unicorn skittles. Yes. Uh, we recently posted a few things. If you follow us on social media and not just listening to these, we recently posted some little memes that broke down um, some research done over time, actually by um, a medical journal, The Lancet, that showed the effects of midwifery care and how not only safe it is, but beneficial. Right. And The Lancet, um, was it? Four years ago, four or five years ago, came out with another huge world, it was actually a worldwide research about midwifery care and um, the benefits of midwifery care for low-risk women, and not just low-risk women, but sometimes in low-resource countries, that's their only options. They don't have options. Um, they don't have the ability to have physicians, but they can get midwives out there trained. So... Um, the advantage of midwifery care and less interventions and really better outcomes amongst low-risk women is amazing. Yeah. And I think it's important, too, whenever we do get research like this, because this isn't um, like a drop-in-the-bucket kind of research. This has a really big pool, and it's, uh, without being like super Steve Urkel nerdy, typically the research has some flaws in it, like, oh, they looked at home birth as a whole, or they looked at... Home, both, her, home birth and birth center combined or um, intended versus not intended or unplanned home birth or um, home birth where there wasn't a provider. They just group it all together. But this analysis looked at planned home birth for low-risk women. Attended by midwives. And it really covered all midwives. So it wasn't... CNNs and in, in the United States, most of your midwives are lay midwives or certified professional midwives, which they're amazing women and have great programs. So, but that's really the majority of home birth is done. We're we're a unicorn in the home birth world. Okay. We're unicorns that works. That's right. Got me going. <laughs> Um, and the other part of this research that I liked after I was read because there was actually two um, two studies presented, one in 2019 and one in 2020. Um, so when they were looking at the demographics, not just the demographics, the whole study, it was really compared apples to apples. Yeah. So low-risk women choosing to have a hospital birth compared to low-risk women choosing to have a home birth. Um, with midwifery care, um, so versus a medical model of care, which was nice. So we're looking at women, one, who had a choice and were just put in a study because really they think that most credible studies are double-blind studies where you are randomly assigned to a group where you don't get to choose. Uh, well, that's just not ethical for birth right. to do. Um, and if you're putting in a group where you're not getting a choice, then your birth experience isn't going to be what you want. You have more stress, and you're not going to have a pure outcome. 
I agree. I really like the way they did this. Yes. And it, it was a system a systemic review, so they did look at lots of research that came before this, but even better, it was a meta-analysis. Yes. Um, so it's and then, good. It's and good then, information. Right. And if y'all don't know what a meta-analysis is, that's when they take all these studies are in one category that are studying the same thing. They compare each study. Are they done similarly? Are they doing the same group? And then they combine all of that data so you can have a big pool of data. And that's a metal analysis. And this is a big pool of data. It may be the biggest pool I've actually read about that's concerning apples to oranges. Yes. Like, this is a good, it's good. So they looked at half a million people. Half a million. That was half a million home births. Yeah, that's a lot. Yes. That's a lot. So they looked at, at a half a million low-risk women who showed up in labor. Yes. Right. And among those, so if you want to look at like just like basic outcomes, among those 500,000 women, there were no maternal deaths. Mm -hmm. And that's whatsoever. for either. For either group. Yay. 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 That's a win. It is. It is a win. That's a big win. Um, and then they looked at other criteria, uh, other outcomes, um, the big ticket outcomes, which I'm sure there's other ones that aren't within this, um, like satisfaction rating that wasn't in here, um, but really big, like more, more morbidity type outcomes, like cesarean birth. And when you looked at home birth, much lower. Right. Right, so the home birth rate of cesarean section is 10% lower, which is really what the World Health Organization recommends. Mm -hmm. Worldwide, that's where they feel like it should be. We're failing. Oh, we're failing big time. According to the World Health Organization, I don't know if you've read that recently, mm -hmm. but I have read it recently, they feel that anything over 15% does not save lives anymore. They feel like between 10 and 15%, you actually are saving lives and making a difference. Anything over that, you really aren't making a difference. You're not saving any more lives. There's actually more increased risk factors for every woman who's had a cesarean for her next birth, for her and her baby. So you've actually increased risks down the road. You've modified them in the moment, but you've increased them down the road, which mm -hmm. in the whole big picture of things didn't improve outcomes. Right. The other thing that I thought was really nice that people don't think about is it was decreased vaginal operative births. There's a big difference between having a vaginal birth without intervention and having a vaginal birth where we've introduced some kind of operative fashion. Right. And an operative birth is when there's it could, three different things. One, they use a vacuum suction to pull the baby out. You've seen that, right? Yes. Well, that's brutal. Or they'll use forceps to pull the baby out, or they'll cut a fourth degree episiotomy and get in there and pull the baby out. Mm -hmm. And with planned home birth with a midwife, you are going to see less of those, even with transfer to the hospital. Because um, we're not, of course, doing forceps or vacuums at home anyway, um, because we're doing physiologic birth and women are getting to choose the position in which they labor and push so we're getting optimal positioning um, but we're also even upon transfer to a hospital seeing less of those interventions right so really you're not going to see any um, vacuum or forceps to my knowledge no, no I don't think that's within our scope of practice I know no. it's not within my scope I would never do it if no. we're there um, it's not safe to be home anymore and we're going to go to a hospital. Right.
Yeah, no. I think technically it could be if we had the appropriate training, but I don't think it's appropriate for out of hospital. No, I don't either. Yeah. So I would not do that. No. No. Other I things agree. you're going to see less of, um, epidural analgesia. We're not doing epidurals. Of course we're not. Right. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. a given, but. Yeah. But we do have access to nitrous oxide, not just as our practice, but there's other home birth practices that are bringing it into it. So there is a element that you could have some medicated pain management, um, but nitrous oxide is pretty harmless. Yeah. Gets out of your system pretty quick. You don't need it, but we have it when you want it. It's about what you want. Right. But women who are choosing to have an unmedicated birth in the hospital versus women who are choosing to have an unmedicated birth at home, those women are still having a higher degree of epidurals. Yes. Of course. Of course. It's, it's harder. It is, especially when someone's asking you all the time. Mm-hmm. When it's available. Yeah. When it's available. And then they'll say, hey, the anesthesiologist is available now. You may not be able to get it later. And you're like, dang it. Better, I, I better get it. What do I do? Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Um, other things they looked at were, were postpartum hemorrhaging, which is bleeding after you've had your baby. And what they found was kind of wishy-washy. I didn't really love this one, but they found that, how do you find this both? It's less likely to have postpartum hemorrhaging, but the results were also the same. That doesn't even make sense, but that well, was within the same sentence. Well, I think it's statistically insignificant. Like, it's slightly lower at home to have a postpartum hemorrhage, but when you look, compare the two groups, they're saying it statistically um, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, But we do know, and this is not within this research, but it is highly researched and said over and over and over on a record on repeat, um, is the satisfaction of the experience is leaps and bounds for planned home birth. Leaps and bounds, and we really underestimate the effect of that satisfaction, that experience, that support in long-term postpartum health. Right. And what I really liked about the study is it really kind of broke down all the different types of interventions. So people think, well, I don't know if they think, but they might think, oh, because you're having a home birth, you can't induce. Well, that's not really true. We wouldn't do a, a Pitocin induction, but there's all kinds of methods out there that you can induce at home. Mm-hmm. We don't really do that in our practice, but there it is done in the home birth world. Um, but on the whole, inductions are way, way, way less in the home birth world versus the hospital world among low-risk normal women. Like, why, if you're low-risk, do you need to go get an induction? I think but, that touches on philosophy of care. And even within the midwifery model, it's a model, which is the big umbrella, but I think underneath it, there's little rain droplets of philosophy. So Jaylen and I and Shauna really lean into the philosophy that it's perfect. It's it's a perfect scenario and we don't need to mess with it. So if you lean into that philosophy of not messing with something that's so divinely perfect, then you don't do inductions and you don't do the interventions that cause the chaos, that cause the catalyst of interventions that make the ball drop. Right. Because I, I think the two biggest interventions that you look at is induction, augmentation, and what was the other one I was thinking about? My mind just went. Well, when almost 50% are getting C-sections, I would say C-sections yeah, up C- there. C-sections up there. So, um, and it's, I'm just going to go on the bunny trail. I don't know if it's appropriate. Bunny trail. Bunny trail. Bunny trail. <laughs> bunny trail. Well, 
it's probably appropriate in Andy's world, boring in her world. Um, but I was looking at the CDC site this last couple of weeks and looking at their posted uh, C-section rates for the U.S. And noticed in what they're posting is low-risk women, full-term low-risk women C-section rate is at 31%. They're not even counting in statistically um, high-risk women, twins, breach in that overall number of 31.8%. Well, that's not a fair reflection then. That's yeah. garbage. Well, that's what the graph said. I'm looking at the graph and it said these are the net, these are the numbers included and I'm like, "Well, that's what? That's and who what reads the details? Nobody. They just look at the oh, number and it's in small on. letters. Yeah. It's in small small white letters, by the way. <laughs> but I read it. Tricky tricksters. <laughs> I read it and I was a little shocked by what the numbers are reflecting. It's sad. It's probably the thing that makes me most sad. Because then women carry this really heavy weight of like, I'm broken. Mm-hmm. And it's not on you. It's not on you. You didn't fail. The system failed you. Right. It pisses me off. I agree. So back to talking about mamas. You did mention a little bit of a decreased risk of a PZ. And it's also not forcing someone to push. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't force, I call it blowing a baby out. That's what they do in the hospital. They that's get graphic. Back there. It's very graphic, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're going to get the most terrors is when you're in there and they're telling you, take a deep breath, push, one, two, three, four, five, and they're counting at you and having you hold your breath and you're pushing that baby out with such force. Um, it doesn't allow that perineum to gently open and release your baby. So you're more likely to have a bigger tear. When you push that way versus that, oh, most midwives are more, let the body do it on its own. Let that baby come down, breathe your baby down. It's a much gentler process. Um, Yeah. And then things are allowed to unfold and release your baby. Yeah, I don't even know what what the general statistic is for tears, but ours stays under 15% for tears on a whole. And then the amount that actually are recommended for repair are much lower than that. Yeah, our repair rate's really low. Um, Because most hairs will heal on their own anyways. Because everything loves a vagina, even a vagina. (laughs) You just want it all to match up. Um, Other things that they looked at was postpartum hemorrhaging, decreased in home birth. Um, And I think that's just because of the amount of oxytocin, pitocin used in the hospital. We've got tired uteruses. They're tired. They also use things like Cervidil and Cytotec, which has been shown to cause more postpartum bleeding. Yeah. I did like that they looked. So so this study was half a million people, but they did look even beyond that at a whole million people that weren't exactly this criteria, but pretty close. And when they even looked at the whole million, they admitted because there was just a recent study that tried to say that deaths increase in birth centers and it was straight garbage. I wiped my butt with it. But this was saying no matter the setting, even in a million people, the occurrence of extreme bad outcomes 
is next to nothing. No. It actually said that NICU admissions were about equal in both environments. So it doesn't really matter where you had your baby. If your baby was meant to go to the NICU, it would have happened no matter what environment you had your baby. So nobody's at fault. You don't have to pick on anybody. Um, something was going on with that baby that they were going to need a NICU. Although I question that just a little bit, just because on the few times that we've had babies in the NICU, the NICUs are full, and they're not home births. Yeah. Babies in the NICU. Well, we never talk about things going bad in the hospital because you were in the hospital. And Thank gosh you were in the hospital, gosh. and there was a NICU right there. Right. Um, but So I thought that was interesting, too. Because I can tell you any time that we've had a baby that's had a dog in the NICU, we are, like, examining ourselves. What happened? What Did we, did we do anything? Not that we did, but we're still examining those things, right? Well, because we're so dedicated, devoted, and involved, it's like um, we're woven in the tapestry of that baby, so how could we have done something better? Even when 99.9% .9 of the time, it's nothing on us, but we just love the baby and clients so much that we take on this internal guilt that really we shouldn't. We should right. release it, uh, but it's what we do because that's how devoted we are. Right. And you know that's not happening in the hospital environment. No. When a lot of times I feel I feel like um, in the home birth environment, if a baby's going to NICU, then something was going on that that baby was going to need the NICU no matter what. But I feel like in the hospital environment with all the inductions, because that's the other thing that other research studies have showed, is that there's more full-term babies going to NICU than ever before. It used to be just preemies in the NICU, but in the last 20 years, it's... So many full-term babies are in there, and the only thing that makes sense is all the all the um, interventions doing that causes stress on a baby, like inductions, stress babies out. No, they do. So it's tiring. It is tiring. Did you have any more stuff about babies you want to no, talk that, about? No, that that talked about just the babies. That it was equal NICU. Um, Fetal deaths were the same, well, pretty much the same in both environments. It didn't matter. So um, whether you had a baby in the hospital or at home, the death rate for babies is the same, yeah. which is pretty low in general, y'all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good topic. You yeah. yanked that right from your rear. I did. Good Pulled it job. On. I saw the post. I said, let's pull those lantern arts. <laughs> Well, and I just love that it looked at it globally because sometimes our eyeballs can only focus on what's right in front of us and we only think about America and what's happening here in our country and we have no idea what's going on outside of the world, which for the majority of the outside of the world, we think that their outcomes are way worse than ours because we do have like this complex where we think America is the best at everything. We are the best at some things, but not maternal and infant outcomes. No. One thing that other countries do so much better is the relationship between the home birth world and the medical world. Mm -hmm. It's such a better relationship overseas in Canada. There's a very, um, according to the research, I haven't seen it myself, according to the research, a very easy transfer system of care. So you're, you're not getting this, oh my God, it's a home birth, and they don't want to talk to the midwives, or... Like here in the U.S., there's a little bit of controversy, and there's not a smooth system of, what's the word I'm looking for? Transfer of care? No. no. Collaboration. We go. don't collaborate well here in the U.S., which is sad. We should be it's able sad. to call any physician in any hospital and have a respectful conversation and relationship. Well, it's because we 
fail at checking bias at the door. We'll get, we're guilty of it too. Mm -hmm. They're guilty we're of it. We're on the defense. Mm -hmm. We feel like they're on the offense. So it's not good. And in other countries, that collaboration is so much smoother. Um, I wish we had that here. Well, and I think it's going to have to start grassroots instead of at the top level of where the problem occurs. It has to happen within the communities and everybody getting used to midwives. We're not in dumpsters behind buildings having babies and mm -hmm. our, well, some people's leg hairs are long, but we're not all beating drums and licking frogs and farting unicorns. <laughs> we're legit, educated providers that are giving outstanding support and care um, and we have great outcomes because of what we've done to get to where we are. Right. We're not showing up with goblin trash. I mean, we're... No. And I understand that's all they ever see because any time that we're showing up at a hospital, then something's not gone normal. So right. we need to go to the hospital. But then they're not seeing the other hundred births that we've just done that they they haven't had no idea of all the home births occurring that nothing did go, not, everything was normal. No, I get it. So it really just has to start with the community thinking home birth is normal, midwives are normal, which is getting there. Anything comes out of COVID that's been positive. People are seeking alternative forms of care, so yay and boo. Uh, so it starts there, word of mouth, and then when it becomes normal, it'll it'll trickle up. Yep. Hi, Brittany. I don't know if anyone else is online, but you're the only person we can see. Yay. <laughs> That's it. That's it. All Talk right. to you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in, and if you didn't catch it here, you can catch it on podcasts on 450 million different places. Andy did all that. Good job. Girl. <laughs> Have a great week. Bye.